Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to A Glass with Wolfgang. I'm your host, Wolfgang, and welcome to the third episode. So this one, this will have a little bit different structure than the past ones, uh, just because, you know, not that many crazy sports stories and crazy political stories can happen in a uh, 48-hour period. So uh, we're going to be adding in the comfort food of the week this week. Uh, we are going to discuss the favorite successful college football bets, uh, giving a shout to uh, tennis majors, um, and then finishing with a Mac Miller tribute, as I mentioned before. Let's roll. What is in Wolfgang's glass? Today uh, is... Not the, you know, bourbon or whiskey or anything of that nature. We went a little lighter, uh, recording a little earlier in the day, so thought it'd be aggressive to just be drinking hard liquor earlier in the day. Uh, so today we've got uh, Sam Adams, Cosmic Sour. Yeah, that's not my normal go-to, I can assure you of that. I was just uh, looking in the grocery store yesterday, saw it, I'd never heard of it. I had no idea that uh, Sam Adams was branching out into a... Uh, kind of that um, sour market. Like as always, I encourage all of you to sit down, relax, have a glass with me, Wolfgang. Or uh, if you're under 21, just a tea. Just getting into taste a little bit. I don't know if you guys are familiar with sour beers, but I'm a big fan of most of them, honestly. Not my go-to, but, you know, I kind of have them as a treat once in a while, I guess, is one way to put it. Uh, but this one's really good. I would recommend it. I didn't even know that they sold them. I've seen, like, Sam Adams variety packs, but this was just a straight six-pack of uh, Cosmic Sour, so that's cool. Yeah, so there we go. There's our glass. So, quickly moving on to uh, Comfort Food of the Week. The first one, the first edition in a glass with Wolfgang. Uh, and it's fitting for the be the first food. It's uh, mac and cheese. I've never met a person who didn't like mac and cheese, so I think that's just a start. I think that's the kind of the one, a definition, or not a definition, a factor to be considered a comfort food. I know it's kind of vague of saying, or not vague, it's comfort food of the week doesn't exactly have something specific guidelines, but I think you guys can all kind of picture what you imagine maybe your favorite comfort food is, what a comfort food is, uh... Like I said in the first episode, my wife's from the South, so uh, we're very familiar and we love our comfort foods. It's uh, a lot of the diet is based, you know, on fried chicken and stuff like that. So, anyways, there's a tangent already. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, mac and cheese. So, you know, Chick fil A is a highlight, just uh, started uh, selling mac and cheese, which is. Uh, you know, probably well overdue, I would say, considering they literally sell fried chicken, and that's their whole main thing, and they're all about the southern charm, but uh, I was a little skeptical of it. I was worried it was going to be home style, and I'll get to that in a second, but I was worried it was going to be home style, which it does have a little bit of crisp on it, but my wife and I tried it a couple weeks ago, and it is delicious. Highly recommend it if you still have not gotten to it. I know Popeye's has blown up the uh, fast food uh talking points right now but you know don't forget about the mac and cheese at chick-fil-a it's fantastic yeah so what i was saying about the home style is uh i think there's a very stark difference between 
the two different kinds of mac and cheeses. There's there's the home style kind, and then there's like the creamy kind. You know, the home style kind is what I'm talking about. Is you know when you put it in the oven or something. Basically, you put it in an oven and you kind of cook it more like a casserole. So then it ends up having a crisp kind of crispy top. All the cheese on the top layer gets really crispy, and you have to like cut it when you cut into it. It's like a very different from like the top, and you know within the actual mac and cheese, it's pretty different. Uh, texture wise and I'm a big texture eater so I'm personally not a fan of the home style if I'm being completely honest uh, I mean obviously I'll eat because it's still noodles and cheese which is delicious but I definitely highly highly prefer uh, creamy mac and cheese which is just you know what you make on the stove and it's just very very creamy and just oh it's delicious gosh I'm I'm, I'm wanting to make some mac and cheese right now just thinking about it. it's so delicious uh, well, yeah, so that's the comfort food of the week, mac and cheese. Um, we'll probably try to get this segment on most of the episodes because there's a lot of different comfort foods out there, and there's a lot of really good ones. And uh, maybe I'll start giving you guys recipes specifically. I think that's maybe that's the next step. Like I said in the last episode, we're just we're building here, you know, trying to uh, get more and more in-depth throughout the uh throughout the adventure we're all taking here with the Wolfgang. Uh, so next would normally be the craziest story I heard all week, but, uh, you know, um, just had many, did an episode two days ago, so there's not much to talk about. You know, there's just been some baseball games. I guess, yeah, you could talk about the Nats just uh, came back from six runs down in the ninth inning yesterday to walk it off with the Kurt Suzuki home run, which is very exciting. That was, you know, that was a historic kind of comeback there. It was cool to watch. I don't know if it's a crazy story, but, you know, that was cool. Everyone loves a good comeback. And, you know, since it's a hometown Nats, or it's the team that's right down the road from me right now, it's, it's exciting. All right, well, moving on. Once again, uh, craziest political story I heard all week. Uh, once again, uh, we don't really have a specific story to address. I am going to insert something in here that's somewhat politically related, but you know, it's kind of a stretch. I'm stretching. I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, but so I'll just briefly talk about Hurricane Dorian. Um, any of you listeners that are down south, especially on the coastlines, I... Uh, you know, stay safe if you chose to not evacuate. If you did choose to evacuate, probably a good decision, looking like. Thankfully, uh, well, thankfully for us, but not thankfully for everyone in the Bahamas, uh, Dorian decided to just royally, completely pound Bahamas. And just, I don't know if you're not familiar, she literally just uh, basically paused while she was directly on top of the Bahamas for... I don't know, like an 18-hour period or something of that nature. It literally was stationary. It wasn't moving, which is very unusual. And it just continued to just stay there and just kept pounding it and pounding it. So it's, I mean, obviously it's still early, so we don't really know the extent of the damage, but there's already been a few deaths attributed to it. I'm sure there's going to end up being a lot more. Um, so, you know, send your aid that way. They're definitely going to need it. Um, and then the next couple of days we'll see what our coastline's going to have, uh, what the damage is going to be there. I mean, I know I have some folks that I know down in Charleston, and Charleston uh, basically floods every time there's a storm for over a 45-minute period. So 
as always, with the hurricane coming, I'm sure uh, it's going to flood again. So stay safe out there, guys. You know, thankfully it's down in Category 2 right now. So it's not too terrible. But yeah, just stay safe, guys. And if you're not in the, around the area, you know, send aid, like I said. Something of that nature. At least have them in your thoughts because uh, they're going to need a lot of help. All right, so moving on. Uh, favorite successful college football bets. I mentioned this last episode, but I'll get into it a little bit specifically now that I've made an actual segment of it. Um, I do like ever since it became legal. Of course, I never did it before. It was legal, of course. Uh, but since sports betting has become le- has become legal, I've uh, of course you know recreationally dabbled. Makes games more interesting. Makes games that maybe you have really no fandom stake or any interest. It makes them a little more interesting. Um, so it's I. I'm not going to say I recommend gambling. But, uh, you know, if you're an avid sports watcher as I am, uh, it's, it's definitely a way to uh, spice up the games a little more. With college football bets, there's uh, pretty much a, well, there's a spread, there's money line, and the over and under. Those, that's the very standard. I'm not going to get into, like, parlays or prop bets or anything like that for now. This is just stick with basics with you guys. Personally, I at the beginning of the season... I think it's always good to go with the uh, really high spreads. Well, obviously, yeah, Georgia State was, you know, 20. I think when I bet on it, it was 24 and a half. So they, basically the easiest way to view it is you start at the beginning of the game, Georgia State has 24 and a half points, Tennessee has zero. That's the simplest way of looking at it and then just go from there. Um, so at the beginning of the season, I like to do those bets a lot just because no one really knows what the teams have. Uh, you know, the bigger schools aren't in uh, full form yet, except for Bama, as always, because, you know, it's Bama. And uh, Penn State. It's uh, good fun stuff there. That's where I went to law school, so uh, that was cool. Uh, seeing them win 79-7. Yeah, all right, there we go. I'm tangenting again. All right, back to the, the bets. <laughs> so, uh, just quickly about my favorite, specific, uh, specifically, why I loved it so much because uh, I didn't get onto the site until the games had started. Thankfully, uh, my bookie AG does live betting. Yes, that is my endorsement once again for my bookie AG. But yeah, so I did live bets. I saw Georgia State scored the first touchdown. They were up 7 0, and I was just like, yeah, why not? Do the money line. It was plus 900, which, once again, if you're not familiar with bets, uh, that is really high, especially for football. <laughs> um, it's, you don't get that no- those numbers very often. So, you know, I was kind of just threw a why not bet on it. And then, you know, three and a half hours later, boom, they're winning. They're upsetting Tennessee. So that was great. Really exciting. Uh, it was kind of at the bout. Uh, you know, that was one of the exciting moments of the day other than South Carolina, which here I'll go on a quick tangent about that as well. Uh, Jake Bentley has suddenly manifested a foot injury. I mean, obviously, it sounds terrible of me to imply that he his injury is maybe a little more than what maybe we're making it out to be i mean they're saying he's gonna have surgery personally when i first heard he was injured and he was getting benched i honestly thought it was just kind of an excuse uh because we saw how bad he played we all wanted him gone so now we get our really highly recruited uh freshman in there for this weekend which is great because they're playing charleston southern as i mentioned before not a great team so 
hopefully he can look good uh, and get a game under his belt before we have to play Bama. So that will be fun. Uh, but, yeah, sorry, Jake Bentley, if I sent you uh, terrible things, terrible thoughts your way of thinking that you're kind of uh, maybe mm, embellishing your injury a little bit because now they're saying that you might need surgery. It sounds like it might actually be a legitimate injury. And maybe could explain why you played absolutely awful in the last five minutes of the first game. So that was my uh, additional tangent. Uh, of course, we got to talk about Gamecock football when something like that happens. Back to, you know, bring it all the way around. Uh, favorite successful college football bet, Georgia State. I'm not going to, uh, you know, be that guy and say how much money I made. So we're going to uh, never talk about specific money, but we will talk about the lines. And uh, let's just say I got plus 900, which is awesome. It's one of those things that gives you a confidence boost, you know, for the season. Watch out. Uh, all right, moving on. We're going to keep it in the sports world a little bit, just one more uh, for one more segment. Uh, I wanted to just give a shout-out to tennis majors. Now, that might be very random to a lot of people. It's random to me as well, but... As uh, my interest has grown, I think it deserves a shout-out. They deserve a shout-out. I think tennis is a, such a unique sport compared to any other sports. Like, I don't think you can really say that there's any other sport that's um, similar to it. I'm not talk, I'm not, I won't talk about doubles because I don't know how I feel about doubles. But at least single matches, you're just there by yourself. It's all on you, but you're playing one other opponent. So you can't say it's like golf. Because you're playing the whole field, and uh, and the person you're playing with specifically, I mean, you are competing against him, but it's still more like a buddy buddy thing because you're playing the whole field. So with tennis, you're just playing, you know, mano y mano, like straight up, right up against each other. That's it, and like that's it's just you and them. All eyes are on you. Like every movement you make, every everything is just completely analyzed by all the commentators, as I've heard. Kind of an origin story, uh, my roommate in college, uh, he had played tennis in high school and kind of got me into it originally because I had never watched it really before. I I mean, obviously I knew about it, but like I had never watched it, I didn't know the rules, I didn't really know much about it at all. Um, But yeah, he kind of showed it to me, you know, as you typically do with your roommates. you know, you develop common interests, and that was one of them. Um, and since then, I think it, the uh, the majors are very well, uh, not I wouldn't say spaced out because, you know, three of them are within two or three months, but it's nice to have in the summer because, you know, in the summer you just kind of got the dead heat of baseball, and then every four years you got the World Cup. Like, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of more of a dead time for uh, sports other than baseball, so... It's cool to have through the summer, um, and obviously they have it, uh, the Australian, French, and uh, Wimbledon. So those are all in foreign countries, other than the U.S. Open, which is going on right now. Um, and so it's cool just to kind of have, you know, different times since they're in other countries. It's at different times of the day, which is, you know, it's it's fun. It spices it up. So. If you never watched tennis before, I recommend it. Um, I just watched a great match between uh, Monfils and, ooh, I can't remember, the Italian guy. Um, I'm not going to pause and look it up because it sounded really bad in the last one, so I'm not going to do that. But the Italian guy won. It was a great five-set match. 
Uh, and you know, it's, it's it was a grinded out kind of kind of match, and it's it's fun to watch, other than all the double faults. But that was only specific to that match. I had never seen that many double faults in like any other match before. So, you know, check it out if you haven't before. Um, obviously, I, I don't watch you know the the minor tournaments. I'm not a diehard tennis guy. I'm just you know. I'm going to watch the majors every... I mean, they're each major is two weeks long. You know, obviously you don't really care about the first round. You kind of follow it, but you don't watch it. Once it gets later on, you know, it's inter- it's interesting. It's competitive. And and like I said, it's like kind of its own sport. Like, there's no really comparing, comparison, I would say. So, it's cool. All right. Shout out to uh, tennis majors. All right. Our last segment today is, uh, you know, the Mac Miller tribute, as I talked about before. So I guess I'll just dive into it. Well, no. I'm going to address the... Uh, I'll start... I was going to finish it with the news, but I'll start with the news um, just to give you guys some perspective. So if you guys weren't aware, I mean... If you guys weren't aware, um, unfortunately, September 7th, uh, 2018, Mac Miller passed away from a drug overdose of cocaine, fentanyl, of course, and alcohol. It was very sad, and it affected me a lot, not going to lie. Today being September 4th, three days away, which is a Saturday, so RIP to uh, Mac real quick. Have him in your thoughts. Listen to his music. But yeah, so his drug dealer was just arrested today in the connection to his death. It wasn't a random arrest. It was specific for Mac Miller's death that he basically was selling... BS pills that were just straight up fentanyl essentially instead of Percocet. Uh, we'll see how it comes to that. I'm not sure. I didn't look into it much, but I'm not sure if there's much precedent with that. So that could be interesting. It's definitely a good court case to keep your eye on, just because you could establish a good court, uh, a good precedent of if you sell shitty drugs, if you sell drugs that have fentanyl in them, you're gonna go to jail for a very long time. So, we'll see how that goes. Um, I just got arrested today, so I'm sure it'll be quite the while, because our beautiful judicial system is so very slow. So, it'll be a while before we actually see any movement with it, but, you know, he was arrested, so good. Put him away. So now, just like kind of an overview, just if you guys aren't that familiar with him. uh, Kind of just a bio. He was born... Born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Represent, baby. He, it's very obvious that he's from Pittsburgh, as it is with a lot of people from Pittsburgh, that uh, he was very proud of where he was from, and he, he uh, rapped about it a lot in his music. Uh, he's one of those kids that he kind of just always knew he was going to be a musician. Uh, he was going to make sure it was going to happen. By the age of six, he had self-taught himself to play piano, guitar, drums, and bass. By the age of six, yeah, that's that's some talent there, folks. That's that's awesome. And then uh, once he got a little older, got into his teens, he realized he wanted to go in the rap. So you know, he's a hell of a musician, as you kind of heard throughout his all of his albums. Uh, they weren't just like straight rap. It's uh, actually well thought out. It's he uses different instruments. He uses guitar. He uses horns. He uses uh, violins. It's it's really just really well produced music 
because he had a passion for it. it wasn't he wasn't there for the money he wasn't there for the fame he was just doing it because that's what he knew he his gift was and he just went out and executed it he did what he knew he was born to do um he was born uh, malcolm james mccormick that's his actual name so he goes by mac miller he's also uh done some stuff under his pseudonym larry fisherman so you know much like you guys call me wolfgang we can call mac larry he actually eh, i'll just i'm gonna go in chronological order so like i said he was born in pittsburgh you know unbelievable musician from very early on um he's kind of he did a couple of mixtapes in high school um like early high school but obviously those you know those are where you, you, your starting points they're not a plus material you just gotta start throwing stuff on the wall um, but, uh, I mean, he obviously was well, uh, well received in Pittsburgh itself. Apparently he won a, uh, best 21 and under of the year, uh, for his earlier stuff that I'm not just familiar with, but then he really had his breaking out, I think, at least to the national, in the national stage for his mixtapes, Kids, which, uh, is an acronym that stands for kicking incredibly dope shit. Yeah, <laughs> It's a fun, it's a fun uh, title, and the songs within it are equally as fun. I think it, this is like when he was, I think, 17, I want to say. It was with Rostrum Records in Pittsburgh, uh, which is, if you guys are unfamiliar, that's the same record company that uh, started with Wiz Khalifa started. Uh, but yeah, they, it's a lot of good songs on it. You know, my personal favorite, I think our high school anthem, I would... I would deem, no, yeah, that's, I'm going to assert it, yeah, we definitely, that was our high school anthem with Suspense, by, uh, on that mixtape, uh, it's like singing in my head now, mm, okay, <laughs> moving on, distracting, there's also, you know, other songs you, you guys may be more familiar with, I know Spins isn't probably the most popular one off of that, it's like, you know, there's Knock Knock, and, uh, just there's just it's amazing how much good songs he's made it's just it takes me back every single time i think about it um but yeah that's where he started and then he came shortly thereafter came out with uh donald trump which is funny because he ended up being our president and this was back in 2011 so this is far away before donald trump was ever considering uh or, well, he probably was considering in his head but he hadn't openly been going for the presidency um but yeah he just kind of used his name it wasn't even like a it wasn't like a diss track or anything it just used his name because he's a rich dude and and there's actually some funny funny tweets from back in the day where donald trump literally tweeted at mac miller was pissed to use his name um and he never i don't think mac ever ended up having to give donald trump any kind of royalties or anything for it so it's funny stuff. It's fun little history there. But yeah, that was, I think, his big specific song other than the mixtape. Like, that was his big song that, like, I mean, he got on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, peaked at 75. And that was, like, at that point, he had he had first uh, really, really hit the national stage and everyone kind of started knowing who he was. Um, I mean, as a white rapper, uh <laughs> I'm not going to uh, ignore the elephant in the room as a white rapper. Obviously, he was obviously compared to uh, Eminem a lot at the beginning, and he references that in many songs. 
So um, I don't think he's anything like Eminem, if I'm being honest. Eminem rapped uh, fueled by his anger. I think Mac Miller rapped fueled by his love of music. And so you get a very different vibe, a very different sound. And all in all, nowhere, any, I, there's no comparison. It does, to me, there's no, it's no logical connection other than the fact that they're white and they rap. So that's just my two cents. Um, shortly thereafter, the Donald Trump single, he came out with Blue Slide Park, which is an actual park in Pittsburgh. So that's kind of cool. Um, and actually this Saturday, there will be a gathering there. Uh, just to celebrate his life and everything. So, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, I, you know, I recommend going out there. There's a lot of good people, in my understanding, that go out there. And they're just there to celebrate his life. Because, like I said, he's an unbelievable guy. So, I've, I'm taking a while to get through his discography. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll pick it up a little bit here. And it's fitting that I pick it up. Um, his next mixtape that he did was... Uh, see, it's, it's funny with him, too. He did a lot of mixtapes... And he did a lot of albums, like he bounced back and forth, and I think that's kind of untraditional, and I kind of like it. Um, he wanted to, this is back before Spotify and stuff was like massive, back in like 2011, 2012, like it was still kind of a, a budding industry, so streaming music wasn't like a big thing, and so he wanted to release mixtapes out by himself or with Rostrum Records where everyone can have access to it, they don't have to pay for it. And I, that's cool. I respect that. Uh, Macadelic is a uh, mixtape. Like I said, uh, it had a couple of good songs on it. Um, I think this is when he he had gotten famous. He's got started making bank now. And I think this is where the unraveling began. And he's referenced it. Um, that was something he was very always open about later on uh, when he had his resurgence. He, uh, you know, he has had serious substance abuse issues. He's, uh, you know, he was very open about it. Um, and I respect that. But yeah, so, you know, this is 2012. He's just gotten out of high school. He's starting to make a ton of money. Um, and then he comes out with his next studio album, watching movies with the sound off. Um, in my personal opinion, uh, this is by far his worst album. It's so, it's, for me, it was so overly drug-fueled, and you can just hear it in the album. It's just completely, I mean, he's, every single album and mixtape of his has always had a different sound, which is also musically brilliant. He didn't maintain the same sound, but this one, he just, it just, he went off the deep end. It was, uh... Not good. I know a lot of people do like it, and, um, you know, they are probably listening to it under the influence, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm not just, I'm just, I've, I've never been a fan of the album. He did a mixtape as well then, and I still wasn't a big fan of that either. That was, and he did that under Larry Fisherman. He, he was in basically a drug, drug-induced stupor for a couple of years, starting in 2013. He's moved to L.A., he's just doing, he's famous, and he's not handling it in the best of ways, and, you know, he's admitted, he admitted that, and then I think, I remember specifically, I got a notification on SoundCloud, and I want to say, I think it was early 2014, so 
we're about a year and a half after he's kind of gone off the deep end and uh it, it notified me that Larry Fishman has a new, uh, posted a new song. And I was like, you know, I was like, oh, here we go again. Obviously, I got to listen to it, though. Listen to it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Spectacular. Uh, it's, it was literally called Just Some Raps and Shit by Larry Fisherman. Um, look it up. Really good stuff. There was, like, a specific line, like, right in the beginning of the song where he's, like, uh, putting, uh, put the cocaine away, drinking coffee a bunch. I think that's just kind of telling. If he, I think he, about a year and a half in, he had that he had that realization of, uh, shit, I'm a drug addict. I need to try to do something about it, and he did. Unfortunately, unsuccessfully, but he did, did try, and that kind of I think marked his resurgence. Because then a few months later, he came out with Good AM, and that's fantastic. I mean, that was about similar to Kids in the way that it was about partying. But it came from it in a much different way, a much more matured way, a much more, oh, wow, I've seen some shit kind of way. And I love it. It's a fantastic album. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, he came out with The Divine Feminine. And feminine, sorry. <laughs> Can't pronounce words. But yeah, that was, uh, that, that was basically, I would say, almost the entire album was about Adrian, Ariana Grande, which was his girlfriend at the time. Um, I mean, there was a couple of songs in it where she's in it as well. So that was just like a nice, he was in love. It was nice. It was pleasant. The whole album is just like smooth. It's, uh, it's, it's up. It's, it's a completely different vibe from the Good AM album, but it was a similar sound, which is like, I go, keep going back to it. I think that was like one of the most remarkable things about him. You could hear the musical talent that he had in each one of his albums because each album had its own individual sound and each vibe. Like it, it was, it was its own project. It wasn't. He wasn't making just an album to make money. He was making an album because he's telling a story. He's telling his story, and it's just it's remarkable. Two years after the Divine Feminine came out, he came out with his uh, what would end up being his last album, unfortunately, uh, Swimming. And that, I think, was just the culmination of all of his musical talent. I think finally just all came together. It came together. He has a, at least a right mindset. And he just, that album is incredible. And I'm just so disappointed in uh, the Grammys for not giving him the uh, award uh, posthumously as well. Very disappointing. I, it was well-deserved. And it was, I really think it was this culmination of just everything, and it's disappointing we're never going to hear another album because, you know, he had finally really found his groove, I think, with swimming, and that was, it was going to be unbelievable to hear what was coming after that. But uh, just, I'm sorry, I was looking back as well. Um, I was a little bit wrong with the years, and I forgot about Faces. Noted mixtape. So Faces came out in 2014, and that was a mixtape. Um, and that was, he talked about his drug use and everything and that and his fame and everything. And it's got some really good tracks on it. Um, and that was what came out right before he came out with the song I referenced earlier on SoundCloud. So that was late 2014. And then Good AM was 2015, not 2014, sorry. 
That was my apologies. I had the years wrong, but whatever. You guys get the point. You heard I just went through all of his albums pretty much. And skip some uh, mixtapes here and there. So yeah, that's kind of a kind of rundown of you know his background and what he did throughout his life. It's too bad that he's not going to be doing anything else. But yeah, uh, just because uh, there's multiple things that kind of connect me even more to him other than me just enjoying his music. And I mean, he's he's from Pittsburgh, so I've always enjoyed that connection. I mean, he loves, you know, as any proper Pittsburgh person is, uh, they really love their the sports teams. And he gave out shout-outs to the sports teams all the time. He's, you know, he would go a lot of different games and stuff like that. Uh, and on top of that, he was about the same age as me. Um, he's, I think, was only two years older than me. He hit a good chord very early on when I was like 17 um, when we were, you know, partying up and everything. And he, uh, uh, I guess, we kind of just were going through life, I think, almost at the same pace where all of his albums matched up really well with what I had going on in my life as well. And that just helped me form even more of a personal connection with his music. And, uh, you know, the day that I heard that he died was uh, incredibly sad. It, incredibly sad. Uh, it was one year. It's coming up. A couple days. A few days, like I said. Uh, his drug dealer was arrested. So that's good. Good sound. Good sound. You'd think they probably, I'm sure it seems pretty uh, planned out timing there. So props to uh, them as well. And, uh, you know, just the general... Of what everyone has always said about him is he is just a, just a genuine guy. He was just kind to everyone. Like, there just was, there's not anyone who has said a bad word about Mac. He was just a good dude to everyone, and it's a good way to live. And it's a way that people should strive. Obviously, not the substance abuse, but the way that he treated people, the way that he viewed people, the way they viewed life. Um, just really just positive, um, I think, is the main kind of uh, uh, overarching theme. Um, so, you know, uh, that's my Mac Miller tribute, I guess. That was that was uh, the third episode. Thank you for listening. Just stuff to look forward to in the future. In the future. It's a very near future, actually. In two days... Uh, my wife will be on. You guys get excited. She's going to be on. Uh, we're going to be doing the hard seltzer challenge. We have been waiting for this. I've been really waiting for this. It's exciting. Um, it's I don't I don't even know where it's going to go. I'm going to start it. That's what we're going to start with, and that's we'll just see where the episode goes from there. Thanks for listening. As I said again, um, farewell. Have a great day couple days until you listen to the next one i guess uh farewell <laughs>